Dr. Luck. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Homebrew. Wow. Was that the right moment to come in? It seemed like that guitar no. was just reaching a crescendo. You just blatantly interrupted it. I was yeah. I, look, I didn't hit my post, but it's fine. I, I thought about, like, I should have come in maybe like five seconds ago, and I didn't want to wait. And, and uh, I was enjoying getting to hear that little burst of, you know, flurry of, you know, for the 148th time yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm here for, Brian, is I'm here to reduce the amount of joy that you have in life. So I knew that would screw with you, and I did it. I missed the old Nailed intro, Doctor Homebrew. I mean, I should find that because that was pretty good. <laughs> but uh, you know, now with our crackdown on copyrighted music, uh, we definitely can't play that. We might refer to that as premature articulation. Premature articulation. Am I, there we or go. Am I, I'm actually on that. Yeah. Can we call that, that premature was, articulation? Sure. If we can call what you just did premature vocalization. Yeah. Brian premature didn't have his, like his uh, mic on. I mean, how then. many times have I done this show now? I mean, I'm kind of know. a baby podcaster at this point. You think I know how to press the damn button to make the mic work? Mine was already on. You're being know. verbal. Yeah, I got to do that. <clears throat> anyway, like. welcome, everybody. We have a good show for you today, as always. And I'm going to say that because it's usually true. Um, <clears throat> we have an IPA, and we have... Actually, we have two clone beers, I think. Right, Brian? It, yeah, it is. It's the clone beer the show. Clone, it's the Clone Wars. Don't, clone Wars. Don't, don't sue me, Disney, but it's, <laughs> it's the Clone Wars. Battle of the Clones. We have a clone of Bell's Two-Hearted, and clone. then we have, a clo- we have a clone of Lefe Blonde. Yeah. It's the clone of the attacks. Here we go. Mmm, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Homebrew. Mm. <laughs> that is the... I've never murdered anybody on the radio, but that's the best way to get me to do... Taryn will do that friggin' Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I oh, hate yeah. Jar Jar so much. I, I have to hold myself down from reaching <laughs> back in the last week and firing one right across the... Do that Jar Jar voice, dude. We started watching Clone Wars with my daughter when she was like six, Yeah, and I didn't realize there was Jar Jar in that, and we get like uh, about a season deep, but I'm like, God damn it, there's Jar Jar. (laughs) I was hoping that I'd introduce her to that until she was like eight or nine, old enough to handle the truth of Jar Jar Banks. Right, right, right. Oh, God, that was so, oh, I was so mad. No, he's the worst, dude. He's the worst. Absolutely. Someone actually just told me, and it's, well, he's never going to hear this, so I can, I can, I can say his name. George Bush told me, no, um, (laughs) Taryn's cousin's boyfriend Former roommate. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. He told me the other day, he's like, because uh, he, I went to the Star Wars land and in, uh, in, in Disneyland a couple cool. weeks mm-hmm. ago. And it's no big deal. I don't want to make a big deal about it. And, um, <clears throat> and he's like, we're, just, we're talking about it. He goes, you know, I've never seen 
the Star Wars movies, like all of them, man. And I, I kind of just looked at him like he, like he told me that he poured wet cement in my pockets. Uh, I, I, I don't understand. And he's like, what? well, I mean, that's not really true. Like, I, I, I haven't really seen him. And then I saw episode one, man. I liked it. I'm like, oh. oh why I, did you I, start with episode one? I had to just leave the room because I didn't want to, like, make him hate me any more than yeah. he probably already does. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Jar Jar was still annoying. Even when they kind of tried to tone him down, he, mm. it was just, but yeah. yeah. You've got to walk but away I mean, from that situation. Yeah. <laughs> if it's somebody you might ever run into or want to have a relationship with, you yeah. can't get into it because there's no way to get into it other than that you're wrong in every possible way. There, Let me tell you why. There's three things you should never talk about between family and friends. It's religion. Politics and whether or not the first three Star Wars movies are any good, <laughs> right? You can't. You cannot. You just. You can't. The, if the you other worst a, thing besides Jar Jar, almost boring on Jar Jar, is just the 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 dialogue, the clunky dialogue between two people that are supposed to be pretending like they're in love and liking each other, <laughs> and it's just like, oh God, oh my God, you know, Natalie Portman with the. Uh, what was that guy's name? Jeez. Yeah, what's his know. name? Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen. And it's yeah. just like. Oh, could there be any less chemistry in this at all? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and my daughter's more. like seven. Did we finish this movie? And she's like, Anakin's really whiny. Like, yeah, he's whinier than you are, and well, you're seven. He's supposed yeah. to be a Padawan and some shit. You know, I don't know. It's yeah. just crazy. I Yeah, whatever. So that yeah. that happened, and that was weird. And then uh, Taryn and I, speaking of terrible movies, Taryn and I are watching all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, mm-hmm. right? Just to catch up into the pop culture of five right. years ago apparently <laughs> and uh we just finished uh ant-man and the wasp have you guys seen this i saw the previous it looks wreck it's oh the sequel to ant-man so good it is such an i laughed my ass off the Ant-Man whole way and through. the wasp yeah the that's sequel? such a great movie yeah i love it all right brian's fired the preview looked okay brian's fired i would give it a chance <laughs> no so, it's terrible talk okay. about clunky dialogue and and uh it's just it was so bad so, that was terrible, and then we were in the middle of watching Captain Marvel. That's terrible. Like I'm just really disappointed, it. dude. Okay, really? yeah. I think Although you I have very high expectations for everything ever, especially this conversation that yeah. we're having. <laughs> Next yeah. on sci-fi, fantasy, and uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Just things up. that bother me. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't like it. But you know what I do like is Five Star Chemicals. Me too. I, I can stand behind that. So you go to fivestarchemicals.com and learn about everything you need to do to make great homebrew, which of course is cleaning and sanitizing. But don't let what I just told you prevent you from going to the actual website. You should so go to the website and check it out. There's a lot of good information. They have a lot more products other than just PBW and Star Sand and all the products that we talk about here on the show. Um, they're great people. They will be at HomebrewCon. I guarantee it. And so you go nice. up and please thank them. For supporting this show for so long, for every episode, I believe. Yes. I believe yeah. they've been our title sponsor oh, remember, for 147 episodes or yeah, whatever it is. I still remember the day you called me and said, hey, you're on officially, <laughs> an officially sponsored podcast on the Brewing Network. We got Star Sand. Nice. I mean, you know, so we got five stars. Like, yeah. great. That was nice of me. That, it was cool. <laughs> I, That's cool. For years, man, Star Sand, you, you clean first. Get that star sand. Yep. You sanitize second with sanitize, that. Or, I'm sorry, you, start, you clean first with PBW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sanitize second with the star sand. Right. I've been doing that for 20 years. Then yeah. you take fire to it and sterilize. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're like me, I just I just buy my uh, homebrew equipment new every time. I don't even clean <laughs> well, it. Well, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Actually, I just clean my coffee pot out with uh, PBW. Uh. 
Which made a little, made a little, little solution. Let it sit there for about two or three hours. Psh, perfect. Didn't have to oh, scrub yeah. it or nothing, man. It worked My iced tea maker, man. I cleaned that thing out in time for the new season. It's amazing. Body count. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's the time for that a break. I get what you just said. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're going to take a break. I have to, still have to figure out how to. I'm tired already from all this talking. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll talk it, some more about like the Ed Norton Hulk uh, in the commercial break. Uh, Did you like the Ed Norton Hulk, dude? Because this it is fucking blue. It was terrible. Okay, you want to bad movies? I, I saw say. that for free on a United flight from like DC to SFO. Then I got upgraded. It was long story short. I, I watched that movie for free on an airplane, and it was still hot garbage. I like Ed Norton too, and I like the Hulk, yeah. and that was awful. God, that was just like the bargain basement awful. It's still better than the Ang Lee first Hulk, which was even hotter garbage. That was trash. Oh, yeah. It was hot, hot garbage in every way. I yeah. honest to God don't remember a single part of that movie. I remember the Hulk fighting an airplane. Like, grab, he's like, like attached like an F-15. He's like punching an F-15 at like 10 miles altitude. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And that was like the climax, and I just yeah no absolutely not. Hard, disbelief hard, much? Yeah, hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna start drinking some beers and talking to homebrewers and all that kind of fun stuff. This is Doctor Homebrew. Hang on, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back to the examination. All right. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Nice entry. Thanks, man. I'm working on it. I do it for a living. That was better. Much better. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'd like to also point out that JP's shirt says Meowdy Perdner. Meowdy Perdner. It's my favorite shirt right now. A cowboy hat and a bandana around his neck. Orange yeah. furry cat. It's like, um, your, it's like your right. least racist shirt. That's right. All right, everybody. We have Brandon on the line. Brandon, are you there? I am here. What's up, dude? Hey, let me turn this music off. Hold on. I don't know why it's still music. playing. It's very, uh, it's very peaceful. I was like, wow, Brandon has Johnny his own... Um, makes an appearance again. His mm. own theme music. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, man. I know it's a little bit late, but uh, we're about to bust open your beer. It's a Bell's Two-Hearted clone. Am I right? Yes, sir. All right. All right. Have you done this one before? No, this is the first time. First time. I just actually, just actually tasted some of the bottled version tonight while I was waiting on you guys to call. But I've been drinking my, my keg to, <laughs> oh, out of the keg for the past couple of weeks. That's weird. You don't sound like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so where, hey, are, you, where Bev, are you calling us from? Bev, actually, can you give us just three glasses, please? Thanks very much. Um, we yeah, are, call us from uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, it's later there, dude. Before. Nice. PA, man. All right. Well, uh, since we got all that taken care of, I have one can. You were nice enough, by the way, to send cans of Two-Hearted, which we don't get out here. And I know that people like really 
fall all over that beer. I've never, I think I've had it like maybe once, but it's an IPA and I don't really drink it, but I know it was very special to send, so I really appreciate that. I saved my can. Mm-hmm. I gave the, the boys their cans. I saved mine and we're going to drink it um, here tonight, which is why I'm calling for more glasses. So, uh, Brian? It's fun to do the, the side-by-side for sure. Yeah, it was a good, it was cool, man. I, I appreciate that. You didn't, definitely didn't have to do that, but it was uh, very nice of you. All, all right, right. All yeah. right, Brian. Yeah, take us uh, take us through this beer here. Huh? So, yeah, as you heard, it has a nice nice little hiss when we opened it up. Um, actually, when I opened the bottle uh, that I judged previously, it was kind of creeping up in the neck a little bit, <clears throat> which can sometimes be an indication that something may be getting away in the in the bottle. But I don't know that that was the case. It might just be kind of highly carbonated or and, and kind of uh, uh, nucleating on something in the bottle, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, in the nose, I can get a low... Kind of a honey-like malt aroma, an initial blast of a kind of a perfumey hop. Drops away, revealing kind of a citrusy, classic U.S. hop profile. Uh, but it's light. Uh, moderate fruity esters. No no DMS or diacetyl. Smells pretty cleanly fermented. Um, you know, right in the territory, but not um, screaming super, super hoppy IPA. Although, you know, there has been some style creep on the IPA style. I'd say this is definitely leaning more towards the, the classic end, uh, you know, the, the 90s IPA <laughs> uh, territory. <laughs> Although when we get into the flavor, we'll talk about bitterness and stuff too. Um, that uh, has also changed over the years. Um, so I gave it an 8 out of 12 for, for aroma. I thought it was pretty nice. Appearance-wise, it's a, a pretty deep gold color, excellent clarity. Uh, the head is a nice creamy eggshell off-white colored stand, uh, very fine bubbles, persists very well. And so, I mean, I had to give it full points for appearance. It was a really nice looking beer. Um, flavor-wise, the malt is uh, medium-low, I would say. A little bit honey-like, slightly caramelly. Mm-hmm. The hops are medium-low and mostly citrusy, classic U.S.-style IPA hops. Uh, medium low uh, bitterness, pretty much out of the way, which is which is nice in a way. Some of those old, older versions of IPAs were harsher, and the you know the guidelines have you know shifted somewhat, even from 2008 to 2015, to reflect changes in tastes with IPAs, and that it's gone even, it's swung even further this way. And but to me, this one is one that didn't, you know, it's maybe the, one of the reasons that it's a classic IPA is that it's not so insanely like minerally bitter, harsh, biting uh, beer. And I'll taste a little bit of the, if I don't mind if I do here, uh, <laughs> of the bells. Some of the bells, yeah. Um, and I'll talk about the differences here in a, a little while. Um, yeah, it has a semi-dry finish. Um, seems cleanly fermented and a lightly fruity ale. Uh, the balance is almost even between the malt and the hops, so I would like a little more hops there to kind of pop out over the top of that malt, although both both are nice. Um, Mouthfeel-wise, it's medium light-bodied, no astringency, very smooth. Uh, medium carbonation, and it is somewhat creamy. Um, no astringency evident and uh, no, no real warmth going on here either. It seems like maybe on the lighter side, strength-wise for the IPA, I'm not getting a big like, wow, there's a bunch of alcohol there. Overall, it's just a pleasant, cleanly brewed American IPA with a lot of uh, great attributes, and mostly to style for the, the kind of classic version of the, UP, the U.S. IPA. Will you know maybe albeit with a little bit lower bitterness than it was in the '90s. So, uh, but I just would like a, maybe a little more late hop to stand up to the the pretty substantial malt, malt that's there. 
And uh, this it could be this, you know, this may also be a bit aged and, you know, uh, Brandon's tasted it since the beginning there. So we'll t- trust his notes on what it tasted like two months ago or whenever it first was <laughs> hitting its prime. Uh, and he decided to bottle it and send it into us and let us uh, sit on it and, and JP to, you know, put it in on his front porch warm. And That's right. Uh, uh, no, That's all I do. I doubt he did that. But no, really nice job on what this beer. I doubt he uh, did that as if there's some <laughs> hesitation in that. I doubt it. I just yeah. like to give people the benefit of the doubt i'm from minnesota dude it's you know jeez uh it's what i it's, it's i'm glad minnesota you sit nice. in traffic to come here how about that uh so yeah thanks for sharing the beer i gave it a 35 i thought it was kind of a nice uh you know a very good ipa <laughs> towards the high end a very good bordering on excellent um you know uh exemplifies the style fairly well generally from the parameters of of uh, american ipa yeah all right mr Shar. Yes, so uh, largely, yes, uh, I, <laughs> you know, these things aren't that funny that I'm sitting no. here looking at you and they're fucking hilarious. Yeah, well. So, you know, we're, that's, that's why this, that's why it's a show. It is why we're together. That's right. Uh, the, I largely concur with Brian. I, uh, this is a, a really nice beer. Uh, aroma is definitely hop focused. I get pine, uh, citrus slash orange. The citrus is definitely like an orange peel citrus uh, from a hop aroma. I get like a really light cardboard type oxidation mm. in the aroma that I'll, I'll come back to in the, the flavor. Um, the two hearted has I think, a very similar aroma character. Um, I get a little caramel malt in this, and in the two hearted, I get almost like a candy like uh, aroma to it, which is interesting. I judge this at home with the can and with the bottle, and they were a lot closer than these two right now. And I don't know, it's just a difference between. Maybe timing or temperature or or what, but uh, like sobriety, like Brian, yeah, sobriety. I'm actually really sober right now. Uh, it's really sober this second. Uh, like Brian was saying, this is a classic uh, throwback IPA aroma. I guess what you'd call a throwback IPA, looking back the '90s type recipes with more caramel and more more malt. Yeah, nine out of twelve for aroma. Uh, appearance three out of three. Uh, it's it's clearer than the two harder. So it is. Job, it is yeah. This is a brilliantly clear beer. So congratulations on kicking Bell's ass in terms of clarity. <laughs> uh, I wish they they could have gotten theirs a little bit clearer. It should be noted that a little hop haze is allowable in an American IPA. Oh, no, certainly. I'm just having I'm having fun on the on the air, Brian. But we like I like the clarity too. Don't get me wrong. When you're giving someone a diagnosis, you have to intersperse that with some levity because you never know what might what they might be hearing from you. Is it is a homebrew professional. It's true. Uh, you know, it's the side to side, the two hard is maybe a little more orange than your beer, but your beer really looks more like a classic IPA. Again, I mean, orange is not typically a, a, a color you associate with IPA. And the orange character of this is really kind of interesting, or of the two hard it is interesting to me. Uh, then the, uh, the head is, the big difference, the head is lower but it's still uh, there's still head and it's still persistent. Three out of three uh, flavor. Uh, the oxidation aroma that I got, I didn't get in the flavor at all, which tells mm-hmm. me maybe it's something associated with the hops. Maybe it's a, a papery character that is somehow something that one of the hops might be expressing and not not the malt. So I didn't get didn't get the papery cardboard flavor one bit. Uh, starts off malts at a medium level. Uh, the beer is crisp and clean. There's low caramel. Uh, bitterness rises up to kind of a high level mid palate. Hop flavor is medium, citrus orange, like in the aroma. 
finish is long and balanced. It's well attenuated. The uh, it's interesting. The pine that was present in the aroma isn't present in the flavor, really. Still really pleasant, 15 out of 20. Mouthfeel, uh, I think give it 3 out of 5, because the body is medium. Carbonation was really low, I think less than the two-hearted. And I think it explains the difference in the head, because there's probably half the carbonation in this beer, as is in that can of, of two-hearted. Uh, there's noticeably less hiss when I judge this at, at home. Um, the... The the hiss, you'll get a hiss from a can, but the carbonation mm-hmm. sound you got from the can was markedly more from the two hearted than from the bottle for the this beer that we're judging. Uh, there's no warming; it's creamy rather than perky. No astringency, and three out of five overall impression. I gave an eight. I think it's really close to two hearted in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, and in some ways it's better, like with the uh, the clarity. Uh, I think that maybe backing off the caramel malt by maybe a 25, 30% might help you match it a little bit more. And then I'm, I'm curious to discuss with uh, Brian and Jason and everyone kind of this, what I, what I pick up is kind of like a candy-like flavor and aroma in the two-hearted. And if that might be a hop character or some sort of uh, malt or, or what. But well done. I gave this a 38 out of 50. Excellent. <clears throat> nice. All right, Brandon, what do, you, uh, what do you think, man? How did everyone do? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good to me. Um, I actually just uh, uh, cracked open my first bottle of this that I bottled, you know, same time I sent out to you guys, you know, tonight here just uh, waiting on the show and noticed, you know, I also had the, obviously the keg version still on and just completely different beers to me. Um, mm-hmm. the, the bottle version is um, it just, it's it, it just has that, um that out of date, you know, sat in the shelf too long IPA character, oh, you know, of, of the nineties. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. it, to me, like I, I can't believe I'm a little surprised that you guys aren't, um, aren't talking about that a little more. Cause it's, it's really, really pronounced to me. Um, mm-hmm. that caramely sweetness. I, I, I guess kind of like a honey like or whatever. Little caramel. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, it's not bad. It, it doesn't make the beer bad. It just, it's like, Kind of the same thing you get with like all the Belgian beers that you kind of get in the states. If you're, you know, like they're okay. just, just like they've been, you know, they've been warm or just yeah in the bottle. I wonder if the trans- I, think, um, I wonder if the transport has has changed it even from what you're tasting, Brendan, to you know to what we're tasting. I don't get a whole lot of caramely sweet kind of thing, but there is that creaminess. And yeah, there is a kind yeah, of yeah. a honey-like thing, so maybe that's maybe that's what it's sort of changed into in the couple of days since it's been out of refrigeration. It's been really hot out here lately, so yeah. maybe it's kind of just morphed into something different than than what you're experiencing. But is is your version kind of a, have a creamier mouthfeel? That it you're does drinking? a little bit, yes, okay. yeah, right. yeah. And it it actually has the bottle that I poured has just a a, a slight like, like you know kind of hot taste to it compared to what I poured out of the keg. Uh, hmm. But even even just a slightly uh, darker color as well, uh, almost unnoticeable. Like I, I think if if the haze wasn't there, you might not even notice the color difference. But it seems like the bottle beer is a little uh, a little hazier. But it does also have a little bit better head retention. It's got a little bit of lacing on the glass, whereas the one what? that I'm pouring out of the keg. Yeah. What did this one come out alcohol wise? I know that uh, the two hard is a seven percenter. It's it's up there for you know. In the higher end of yeah, the IPA style, 
Did you this get... is a, a 6.43 is what I calculated. Yeah. You guys want me to just go down through the recipe? And yes, please. Sure. Yeah. It does yeah. taste a bit lighter, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So um, OG is 10.58, final gravity 1.009, 6.43 on the alcohol, and Rager formula is at 82 IBUs. Um, the malt bill is 74% breeze two-row pale, 22% breeze pale ale, 4% breeze crystal 40. That was fly sparged at 150 for one hour with water built from RO on a two-to-one sulfate to chloride, uh, about 110 to 50 parts per million. The... Hot bill is all centennial. Um, this this recipe is actually from the Bell's um, homebrew store, and it, I, I, I bought the, the centennial from them as well, which apparently they <laughs> take from their production centennial hops. So that was five ounces or fifty IBUs at forty minute or forty five minutes. Another five ounces or and thirty IBUs at thirty minutes, and then I put. 28 ounces in the dry hop, and that is a 20-gallon batch. Mm. Um, wow. Then the yeast is the Imperial flagship cow ale. It was uh, three packs of that and a one-liter starter. And what I did with this starter, which I usually don't do, um, then a five-liter flask, I put three packs in there, filled the flask with oxygen, and then put it on a stirred plate and let it go the whole the whole brew day, and then just pitch the mm. the, the one liter in you know, at the end of the day. And that took off nicely. Um, I yeah, imagine. <laughs> that, it was it was about a six day ferment. I was you know from ten fifty eight down to ten twelve at six days, and I was there for like two and a half days at ten twelve. Um, I dropped out all the yeast I could, um, and then dry hopped. And over the next, I dry hop for five days, and every day, like morning before I went to work and evening when I come home, I would bubble CO2 through the bottom port of the conical, just to rouse everything, keep those hops moving around. Mm -hmm. And over those five days, it dropped from 10.12 to 1.009. It is nice and dry, uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I was, I was kind of surprised, you know, one of the... I was I thought I was having diacetyl issues and and kind of then happened onto this hop creep issue I've been hearing about. I thought it was interesting that that this dropped another three degrees after dry hopping. Yeah. Well, that's, that can be for um, but, a number of reasons, and yeah, there's a there's a lot of yeast that's left in your your beer even after you drop what you think is all your yeast, and whether that's yeah. the the hop creep people are talking about or the additional oxygenation. From adding hops, inevitably you get some oxygen in, or or what? Yeah, I don't think it's that unusual to drop a little uh, gravity uh, after dry hop, and mm. and just kind of stirring things up, kicking things up by by rousing yeah. those hops, kind sure. of pushing them around in the yeah. fermenter. You know that can that can help yeah. drive a little fermentation yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, or yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's just rousing it got me another another three degrees. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah, amazing, but yeah, that's obviously yeah. that's what happened. And it's a, it's a nucleation yeah. site for carbon dioxide too, right? Because yeast is carbon dioxide is toxic to yeast. So if you give the carbon dioxide something to nucleate on, and then it kind of starts to get out a solution, I think that's part of the puzzle too. It's, but it is really interesting. 
Yeah. Um, I want I want to briefly talk too about some of the differences I picked up because um, I just kind of talked about the beer, uh, but then I tasted later. You know, afterwards I tasted the two hundred ale out of the can. I'll just briefly uh, go through it. Um, you know, at same temperature. I took them both out of the fridge at the same time. Let them sit for a little while. Uh, the the two hundred ale poured a little frothier looking head. Actually, yours was a little finer, but it was likewise mm-hmm. long lasting. Um, came out perfumey again. Hints of earthiness in the hop and a little less honey-like, more, I would say, biscuity and bready. Um, the color was a little, slight bit darker, maybe, slight slight haze, which, yeah, again, was surprising. Um, and the flavor, I think, you know, the hops uh, went out just a little bit more in the 200 Ale, the actual 200 Ale, uh, but not by much. It's still not like a super, like, hop monster. It's a more classic IPA, and they're over the top of the malt for sure, but not not crazy uh the bitterness was roughly the same nice job medium low out of the way um you really nailed the smoothness in the mouthfeel both both beers do have that um although i'd say the the bell seems maybe a, just a bit more minerally a little bit more sulfate maybe oh yeah for sure uh they might have burtonized their water a little more than than yours perhaps um but it's still really good it's hard water i think um yeah <laughs> um you know, nice body, nice creaminess, uh, and no harshness or astringency in both beers. Uh, so, you know, you know your homebrewed version is a little bit maltier for sure. The dryness level is very, very similar, I would say. Maybe yours is a little touch drier. And, and the, the Bells has maybe a hint more alcohol. But they're both clean, no obvious defects, and well-brewed. So, you know, nice job. It's just a bit faded. I'd like to taste the fresher version. And sorry we can't be there with you drinking it out of your keg, but there you go. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you talk about the um, the age of this and listening to your malt bill. Because I had thought there's going to be a, significant, a substantial, not substantial, but a, a more like caramel, caramel malt in here. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting point that oxidation doesn't have to just be that cardboard, papery mm-hmm. flavor. Oxidation can be that, this kind of caramel note. And like you're saying, yeah, yeah this is kind of characteristic of the 90s vintage IPAs that sat on the shelf for a long time, is they wouldn't necessarily get papery, but they would get more caramel. Mm -hmm. Um, So my my notes and my discussion about caramel in here really, I think, go more toward what we were talking about before. I mean, there's a little bit of papery oxidation in the nose, which I'm thinking maybe is related to the overall caramel level. There may be too that a lot of them in the day were uh, bottle conditioned, you know, and it yeah. was you don't you might not get that same like that transunion and all uh, papery, rather than just it oxidizes the malt a little bit that's in there, right. and there you go, you know, and the, the yeast scavenges right. a little bit of it and keeps it kind of more even. But yeah. makes sense. Could it get? Yeah, yeah I'm done. Def- I'm definitely with you on the sweetness because it, it's just not there in the keg version. Like it's it's yeah. it's literally a totally different beer. Couldn't it? I mean, very very similar flavors, but but that just just completely changes it. Mm-hmm. That that like extra sweetness, like you're, you yeah. Know. Well, we enjoyed it. So, but yeah, thank you for for sharing it. And I'm sure it was a little higher scoring earlier. Can you get that uh, that sort of creaminess that we're that we're seeing in the bottle version from any sort of oxidation of maybe those caramel notes or Age? I, don't, I mean, does, does your I don't, I don't really it? get a, a creaminess to it in, in either version. I mean, I really know hmm. I, 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 smoothness. I, kind of. I don't know. When you say creamy, I kind of think of like the the more like if you have like a diacetyl or something where it's a little 
Hmm. A little slick on your on your, on no. your palate or your, your tongue. Definitely not, not that. Maybe it's I'm not falling. Maybe it's uh, soft. Maybe the the, yeah. the soft water versus the hard water of the bells. When I think of creamy, you think of like a, a nitrogenated milk style. It's just like it's definitely so not. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, definitely not that. Your, but the, you know, but, but it, like, there is a. I mean, there's a slickness, but it's not. It's not a diacetyl yeah, no. at all. But it, maybe it is water. Differences between the two. I yeah. think the way you treat yeah, I mean, water, yeah, was really I am, nice. I, I am pretty pretty low in the mineral content. Like I said, I'm only mm-hmm. like 110 parts per million sulfate. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I whatever mean, you did to your water was great because I my pet peeve of homebrew these days is over mineralization. Yeah, and so many yeah. beers are like you're licking a rock, and I don't want to lick a rock. I want to drink a beer. <laughs> And I, I think that's... I want to lick a rack. If, I don't want to do that either. That sounds disgusting and maybe a little sandy. But, uh, no, I think that you've uh, your your water was just fine. Um, you know, I well done with that. Excellent. All right, well, Brandon, do you have anything else uh, to ask the guys? Um, no, not on not this one. That, that's right. it. Uh, I appreciate your feedback, guys. Yeah. Brew this one again and, yeah, drink it younger, share it around, and enter it. It's good, and I keep it going. Maybe use some of the feedback and, and send it back again, and we'll we'll try to judge it fresher and uh, have you send it right before the show so we're getting, like, the freshest one. you just just hitting its prime, and it's yeah. probably a 40-pointer then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brandon, are you in a homebrew club? No, I am not. Just uh, just doing this all on my own. Good. Those guys, are, those guys are weird, dude. Stay away from hmm. Are you going to Homebrew Con? No, I wish I could. Yeah. I just don't have the time right now. I yeah. got I got one on the way here and that's good. October, yeah. so stay right. away from. I'm stay away from home. You know about that, right? Yeah, don't, take yeah. your chances though to make your escapes now. Like you have a built-in designated driver, and um, yep. he probably sleeps a lot. You can get out and like you know. Sow your wild oats without actually sowing any wild oats. Just you know, get out for a beer every once in a while because you're not going to get as many in another yeah another few months here, buddy. Now you have homebrew though, so you're good. Yeah. All right, Brandon. We'll let you split, man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Bye. -bye. He's like, well, I don't know what's going on, dude. All right, that's good stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah. it's good. Right. Good beer, good, good shot. And we got it's Bell's fun. Too Hearted, which, like I said, I mean, you know, I don't I, get that every day out here. You, you don't, and and it's like I don't know, it's just a '90s IPA. I'm gonna be in the Midwest in a few days, and I'll be drinking some of that. I'm sure if I can find it. I don't really, I don't really understand the the hype, but you know, that's just me. All right, this is Doctor Homebrew. We'll be right back with another clone beer. Of a Lefe, Lefe or Lef? How do you how do you pronounce it? I right? call it Lef, but I might oh. be wrong. Uh, which is like, like a Belgian <laughs> Golden Strong or something like that. What is it, Brian? Uh, hey Siri, how do you pronounce it? <laughs> okay, L-E-F-A. good job. It's a Belgian Blondale. Hang on, we'll be uh, right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the Twenty First Amendment Brewery, located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew. 
a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for hanging on. We're going to get Jason on the line with a left clone. Actually, he should be here. Jason, are you there? Hey. Hey, what's going on, dude? Chilling. Hell yeah, bro. Thanks for staying up for us. <laughs> we're later than we doing? said we were going to be, but Yeah, not too here. bad, man. So did you know it's left, or do you call it lefe, like uh, these people who don't know anything? Some people call it lefa. I call it lefe because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> well, with a name like that, you have to be, right? The Wikipedia page says left. I don't know. But I did learn it is left, so yeah. I'm all yeah. good now. <laughs> I'm all, I'm all good now. Let's just call it Leffer for today. Why not? There you go, Rhymes Jason. Where are you uh, calling us from? Brandon, Mississippi. Wow, where yeah, is right. that? Like Gulf Coast or what? That's uh, right outside of Jackson. Okay. Are you in a homebrew club? Uh, I'm a lone wolf. Sharp. <laughs> I would be what you call a lone wolf. Two in a row. I used to live near Jackson, Tennessee when I was a kid, which is not Jackson, Mississippi, but it's probably only about 200 miles away. It sounds the same, and yeah. so that's that's all you need. Named after the same president. Yeah. Uh, Jason, Jackson. how long you been uh, homebrewing, dude? Man, almost two years. Really? And you're tackling the uh, the big dogs, huh, already? The left and uh, Belgians like that? Do you drink a lot of Belgians? Not really. I, I've, I've managed to brew almost 30 in two years. Wow. Cool. Wow. So, so, yeah, I've been hard at it. Doing, doing a lot of variety or just sticking to some styles and branching out at once in a while? What do you do? I I kind of go after everything, but I cool. do love the Belgians. Yeah. I'm going to actually uh, tackle a uh, Westy 12 clone this weekend. Oh, wow. oh, damn. Yeah, that's the holy grail of homebrewing right there, dude. <laughs> Got to give it a shot. Do a lot of these. How, how available is Belgian beer at the store in Mississippi, out of curiosity? I mean, Jackson's a pretty big city, so I think maybe you'd have some pretty good availability. No, actually, the last, the last bill, this beer that I've got, a, a buddy of mine brought me a six-pack from down on the coast. So okay. I never, it's hard to get here. So mm, interesting. that's one reason I don't brew. Okay. Yeah, well, it makes sense, man. Very cool. All right, Char. 
You want to kick us off on uh, Jason's beer here, dude? Let me kick this off right here. Right. So, uh, Aroma, I thought uh, Aroma was very low overall, which is okay, consistent with style. Uh, low malt, uh, low earthy hop. Have to kind of struggle to pick it out. Um, and I'll, I'll, my, my sort of comment that runs through this whole score sheet, I think more carbonation would have improved the aroma, would have sort of lifted some of that out of the beer. Uh, and I'm kind of going to uh, have a, two seconds of dead air here. <laughs> we cracked a new uh, new bottle of this as opposed to the one we judged uh, an hour or so ago. I think this is more carbonation than the previous bottle, but not by much. So uh, I think this is kind of my, my running uh, uh, thing. Is the, thing that's, the only thing really wrong with this this beer, in a nutshell, is, more, is, is low carbonation. It would More carbonation would have improved everything. No diacetyl, no off aromas. Um, give it 7 out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance, this beer is brilliantly clear. Uh, color is golden. Head is very, very low but persistent. Gave it a 2 out of 3. This is a, a style of beer that really does call for like a big, creamy, long-lasting head that just isn't quite quite present here. Uh, flavor? Uh, flavor is great. You know, initially the flavor is malty with uh, some fruity esters that are the classic Belgian character right on the heels. The kind of uh, plum, banana, stone fruit that you expect from any of the, the Belgian uh, yeasts. You know, the Belgian yeast selection is always kind of funny because there are so many you can get. And they do provide a slightly different balance in each one. But at the end of the day, they're all I mean, to me, they're all kind of largely the same, with a few exceptions. Yeah. Uh, and it just kind of depends on I'll what your that. personal preference <laughs> is. And so there are, the profiles are a little different, and it just kind of becomes which one you're comfortable working with, which one fits what you like to drink. Uh, balances to malt, which you would expect in this beer. Uh, low hop bitterness rises to medium in mid-palate. Uh, finish is balanced, and it tilts really very, very slightly to bitter. It is a, a really balanced uh, finish, and it's very well attenuated. Gave it 13 out of 20 for flavor. Really liked the flavor of this beer. Uh, Mouthfeel, 3 out of 5. Body's medium. Carbonation is very low. Uh, the sample we judged earlier, I would have said, was flat. Mm. This one is maybe more almost flat. Um but I, I suspect it's a common thread throughout all the the bottles that you've you've. And I'll, I'm curious if you've bottled this whole run or keg. We'll talk about that later. Uh, really, any carbonation, any more carbonation would perk up this beer. Uh, and that's the the. If there's anything wrong with this beer, that I mean, you could take this up ten points, twelve points, instantly by like tripling the carbonation in here. Uh, there's a slight warming, which is exactly what you'd expect from a Belgian blonde. This should be a, this is in the strong Belgian category. This should be a seven percent plus beer. This definitely ticks that mark. Uh, definitely, I think of this more creamy than perky because of the lack of mm -hmm. carbonation. No astringency. Three out of five. Overall impression, flavor of this beer is great. You know, like I said, the common thread is just the lack of carbonation here, which unfortunately I think kind of knocks points off in multiple categories. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And but so overall I give this five five out of ten for a total of thirty one, which is still in the very good category. I think this could be a high thirties, even forty one, forty two point beer if this were properly carbonated. Hmm. So so good job, Jason. I, I I liked it. And you know, there's so many of these beers we get on the show that have you know, two, three, four major flaws to fix. 
And this one is relatively simple, and it might even be as simple as how you bottle off your keg. And again, we'll discuss that later on after Brian has had a chance to, yeah. to judge. <clears throat> All right, Brian. As usual, I completely disagree with Brian. <laughs> Full of carbonation. How dare you? I'm going to start sending my referrals by others, other doctors' homebrew, yeah. other hospitals. Oh, I give you uh, champagne. I'm sorry, oh, dude. Okay. I'm oh, sorry, okay. man. Oh, this, 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 yeah, this, that one. this glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so in the nose, I'm getting a light, a pleasant, lightly peppery phenol. Also, we're drinking champagne and Char's not. Uh, yeah. uh, Barefoot champagne. <laughs> with some smooth, low alcohol up front. Um, so fruity esters are medium high. Um, had kind of a, uh, I got it as a yellow grape kind of aroma, a greenish yellow grape note with a hint of tangerine, some nice fruitiness in there. I really liked that. Low grainy, smooth malt, only a hint of um, sweetness in the nose. Uh, didn't get any DMS or diacetyl. It seemed pretty clean, cleanly fermented. Um, Appearance-wise, medium deep gold color. Um, had, a, had a fairly low head, fine white bubbles. Um, actually had some nice Belgian lacing on the uh, edges of the glass. Uh, the beer is quite clear with an orangey, uh, orangey yellow highlights. Kind of look through it, and it's a really pretty, you know, pretty beer. There's a little tiny touch of haze. It's not, not completely clear, but had good head retention. I actually gave it full marks for color. I think it's it looked fine there. I should I should have maybe maybe I should have knocked it down a point for not having the big, fluffy head. But you know the the retention was was pretty decent nonetheless. Even though it started low, it just stays low and just hangs there. <laughs> um, so I think there's maybe a little more carbonation here than than Mr. Shar is suggesting, but it's not like wow, that's an intensely carbonated beer. That's um, why you get a second opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flavor wise, it's got a nice pleasant maltiness, uh, very light spiciness, white pepper, and the flavor I got it started getting overpowered a little bit with this orangey uh, ester coming out on top. Nice kind of a, a citrus fruit punch like character. And we're talking about that after we both judged it. You know, I thought maybe it was just like a little too sweet and not attenuated enough. Um, I'd like to hear where you finished at. Um, but uh, Brian was suggesting that it could be, you know, the lower carbonation that's here that's making it seem a little um, a little sweeter with all the fruitiness that's going on from your esters, giving the impression of sweetness. Um, and I'm open to that theory. So we'll find out where the, the final gravity landed. And I'll say, oh, yes, I was wrong, Brian. And give me 30 lashes now, you know, whatever. Um, that's kind of a fruity sweet aftertaste. Um, it is, um, you know, no, I'm not getting any DMS or, or diacetyl. It is pretty clean, cleanly fermented Belgian style fermentation. Um, pretty light, smooth alcohols throughout. You know, it has, has a lot of what you want in a, in a nice uh, Belgian Blondale. So mouthfeel-wise, I would say, yes, yeah, it's lower carbonation, kind of medium-low to me, carbonation-wise, not the lowest, most flat beer you've ever had. There's, you know, there's some bubbles. Um, low <laughs> this smooth is the alcohol most warmth. flat beer I've ever had. There are bubbles. Low smooth alcohol warmth, no astringency. It's nice and uh, smooth as far as that goes. Medium-bodied, bordering on, you know, almost medium-full to me. And, and mm. you know, it's, it's a bit big, maybe not... Um, not way out of style or anything, but it just it might be the impression from low carbonation or or maybe lack of attenuation. Um, but still, pretty smooth beer uh, overall. Just I, I I found you know uh, Brian liked the flavor a little more than the aroma. I think I, I actually like the that I thought the aroma was really inviting. Once I got into the flavor, it was just a little too uh, maybe a little too sweet and a little too um, 
or at least the impression of sweetness and a little too big on the fruitiness as opposed to other elements of the beer. You know, some alcohol shining through with the pepperiness. The the, the phenols were really subtle. Um, but yeah, the the um, the fruitiness should be fairly subtle in this. It's overpowering a lot of the other other pleasant aspects of the beer that are there. Um, so maybe use a little more attenuative yeast, a bigger pitch, uh, more nutrients to keep these happy. This will apply to your your Westy Twelve clone too. You know, just keep that yeast going going strong, and perhaps work with your temperature to ramp it up or add add sugars. You know, slowly feeding it to keep it going. But do some different. You know, read about some different tricks you can do to keep your yeast happier for longer and, and start with as much as you can. Um, you know, we'll talk about yeast pitch and all that stuff too, but that's kind of the classic advice for a, um, you know, getting your beer to attenuate better. Uh, just your yeast has to be really, uh, not only a lot of it has to be, you know, vital, fresh, vigorous, and ready to go, ready to rock and roll. Um, like again, Mr. It's, Cooper himself. Yeah, it's a yeah. fairly smooth beer, so I'm not anticipating like there's a big problem with what you pitched. It's just, you know, subtle sweetness that left on the end there. So I gave it a 33. I actually like the beer a fair amount. It's, it's a good, a very good beer. That's a very good category, right? Yeah. All right, Jason, what do you think, man? How'd they do? I think. I think that's right on. I really do. Yeah, thank um, you. I really do. Excellent. Did you enjoy the beer yourself? Yeah, I had lots of friends that enjoyed it. Um, it is good. I, yeah. I think uh, I think Cooper hit it with the sweet. It's a little bit on the sweeter side. I uh, with with the five thirty yeast, the WLP five thirty. It it didn't quite. Uh, I didn't account for blow off, so I, mm. I lost a lot of yeast. Mm. So mm. It, it finished at one eighteen instead of one ten. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a big difference. It, but, it will. Uh, it should be a lot drier. Yeah. What was what was your starting gravity? One sixty-seven. Yeah, ten eighteen is a pretty high finishing gravity. So yeah, Brian Brian wins the yeah. uh, battle of the consultations sometimes on this one. Yeah, sometimes I. <laughs> what should it be? Four, well, even twelve, well, fourteen. I mean, well, again, but I would say it's the thing too, about though. carbonation is that even even with a, a higher than expected final gravity. You, the carbonic acid bite will balance that to some extent. It's not going to cover up that sort of under attenuation, but it'll it'll mask it enough to raise you a few points in competition. Definitely changes yeah. the impression. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason, yeah. do you have the recipe for this guy? You want to fire that off? Yeah. So for this, uh, this is a, a recipe I got off of uh, the internet, Homebrew Talk. So it's uh, twelve pounds, eight ounces of Pilsner, uh, Belgian Pilsner malt. A pound and uh, four ounces of Munich malt, uh, six point eight ounces of biscuit malt, four point four ounces of uh, melanoidin malt, and for the for the hops, I had a uh, ounce and a half of Styrian Goldings at sixty minutes, point um, eight five ounces at uh, size at thirty minutes, and then there was like ten point eight ounces of Tegel, just regular old sugar. At the last ten minutes, and the WLP five thirty yeast, hmm. and I did a ninety minute bowl because I used Pilsner malt. Okay, I hear your recipe, mm-hmm. and yeah. the first thing I think is I would get rid of the melanoidin malt. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's typically used in place of decoction if you don't want to decoct. And I understand that's a pain in the ass, and not everybody wants to do that. Kind of a cheat to make like a Bach yeah. or something. But that's that. It's the point is it gives you that really full. And I, Brian, you, I, I'm never sure how much melanoidin malt is supposed to attenuate, but it gives you like that sweetness, and that you didn't add a lot to it. 
but it's typically something you use only in German styles because the German, again, you use that instead of decoction. And I've never heard of decocting a Belgian beer. I mean, maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm just, you know, a babe in the woods of Belgian mm-hmm. beer, but I've never heard of a decoction for a Belgian, especially a Belgian blonde. No. Yeah, I mean, they, they add the sugars to get the dryness. You don't want a lot of sweetness in the beer. You don't want that impression of the rich caramely, uh, you know, Maillard byproducts kind of flavors. Uh, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, I think the recipe sounded pretty good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too crazy focusing on that. You know, a little. Yeah, I, 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 I cringed when you said six point eight ounces. I'm like, dude, this this guy's measuring point eight of an ounce. I would have just rounded up to seven ounces and just been done with it. I, you know what I mean? Come on. Uh, well, what did Jamel used to say? If it was scale that can measure cocaine, that's right. Uh, 4.4 ounces, man. That would have been four and a half. I just, I'm not gonna do it. So tell, I, tell us about your fermentation. Did you, about your yeast starter and you ferment, what, what do you ferment in? How long did it take? Uh, to the extent you can tell us about that, I'd like to hear about your fermentation. So I did a, uh, a you know, this, uh, I got a white conical uh, comp, uh, fermenter and, mm-hmm. and I did a, a WLP 530. I did a 1400 milliliter starter and, and started at like 60, 68 degrees and let it get up to look at my notes here i let it get up to about 72 73 degrees it's not um, bad how, how long i had a lot of blow your... off so yeah. I, I i did have a two i used a uh, i used my my idle my flask and it had quite a bit of uh yeast blowing out of the bottom of that choker so i, I count a lot of that for not finishing down to 110 how how long did you have your start? How long did your starter go? How many days or hours? Twenty six. So I, I did the starter on twelve twenty six. So the day after Christmas, and this is a Christmas Eve. This is a I actually brewed this the New Year's Eve. So this is I brewed oh, nice. it on twelve thirty one. So yeah. I, okay, I mean, so it's I, like a five day starter. Like, okay. Yeah. It, it probably it probably went up and came back down. You know, sometimes it's nice. The best to time it so your brew is is falling right when that starter hits like the highest croix and it's just going crazy. And and then you pitch it in, that yeast is ready to go and and rips at it. Um, what about your mash temperature? What did you do with your mash? So on this beer for this recipe, he recommended a one fifty eight mash to give it some body. That's high. And then the sugar the sugar addition at the end. Kind of helps dry it out a little bit. I would pull that back for sure. Yeah, what would you, I. Yeah. What would you put it to? One forty-nine to one fifty-one, somewhere in there. Maybe. Okay. If you want a little more body, if you like the body that's in this, you could go to one fifty-two, one fifty-three. But just keep it, keep it on the lower side. Do you do you recirculate your mash, or do you have an infusion mash system? Jason, yeah, it's, okay. it's, I'm, I'm, I'm brewing a bag, so it's uh, okay. So, so one, one, one temperature. Yeah, I'd, I'd only ask. I mean, the step mash can maybe give you a little bit. Of, if you if you could step mash, I might say maybe maybe mash for one one forty five for a while, then mash higher. But I think that for brewing a bag, yeah, exactly what Brian says. You want to be centered on like one fifty, because that's like right where you're going to have that combination of not destroying all of your sugars. But also attenuate, chewing up some of the longer chain ones, so you have better attenuation. And then um, it was bottled off a keg, or what? Did you, were these bottle conditioned? I didn't really look at the bottom. 
So, so I kegged this on yeah. January 27th. So this beer is quite a few months old. And, and what I did is I bottled up probably about a 12 pack mm-hmm. back in, uh, back in, uh, looks like I did this. I, I, I did a few back in May. So those, those have been in a bottle off a Blinkman beer gun. I yeah. bottled like a 12 pack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, sometimes when you're bottling for competitions and stuff, you need to slightly bump up. The beer gun does a pretty good job uh, slightly bumping up the carbonation in the keg before you do uh, beer for comp, um, especially if it's on the lower side already. That'll help you get, you know, stay where you need to, uh, to be. So, yeah. 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 You know, I, Jason, I struggle with this myself. I mean, uh, I've been brewing for 25 plus years and been kegging for 10 plus years. And I, I've done this a lot. I'm on a podcast. You know, I, I give advice <laughs> to people, and I have a hell of a time when I bottle off a keg, even with a beer gun. The beer gun's a good product. I like the beer gun a lot. Even with the beer gun, it never is as carbonated in the bottle as I want it to be. And I, I struggle with, well, should I add more yeast? Should I add a little bit more sugar? Should I counter? Should I invest in counter pressure stuff? Although I've had friends that have done that, and I've seen the beer spray on the ceiling and all that, and I, I rent now, so I'm not going to risk doing that stuff. Um, you know, it's it's tough, and I you know, there's not I'm not sure there's a great answer for that out there, um, and that's just something that you just you, you re- read about, talk to people, you know, kind of experiment with things, see what works for you. Uh, but yeah, bottling off the keg is a, a constant um, source of consternation for everyone. You're not you're not yeah. the only one struggling with that. Absolutely not, dude. I hate doing it. Yeah, get one of your engineers' friends to build something that gets you to a perfect carbonation level for every bottle, and then you can become a sponsor of our show. And you know. <laughs> and I'm a patent attorney, so call call me before you disclose that yeah. to anybody because I can help you out See? with that. There you uh, go. But uh, no, it's it's it, you're not alone, and this is not a problem that you're suffering with by yourself. This is a very very common problem in competition. In fact, Brian, I would say if I if I'm judging a competition. Uh, Pretty much anything that's not obviously bottle conditioned, eighty percent are undercarbonated. Maybe ninety percent. Eighty to ninety. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good good estimate of the figure there. It's yeah. it's this this the thing no one talks about about competition, but probably I don't know, maybe it's, this is not the show to have that discussion. <laughs> but somebody probably should have that discussion at some point about you. Know, what do you do with that? Maybe it's a Brew Strong episode. <laughs> but under carbonation and uh, competition. Under, under carbonation yeah. and competition, mm. and how how do you get those bottles in competition? up to the proper carbonation level when you're bottling off yeah. a keg. So, Jason, any other questions for us before we let you go? How's, how do uh, you feel about all this? I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure with this beer, you know, with, with clones and rest, you know, in competitions, should I enter it as a, as a, should I claim, you know, should I enter it as a clone or should I just enter it as a, uh, it's a Belgian blonde. That's, that's kind of where I thought yeah. I would think Belgian blonde, right? I would say I mean, probably the 25A. Yeah. What does yeah. comp, comp care about clones, right? If you look, if you build, if you build a perfect, you know, left clone that tastes exactly, tastes side by side with the left and it's perfect, you know, go ahead and enter that because the judges are going to be looking for what is going to be the most exact. But I would, and, you know, I would think to not be able to have those side by side on the competition yeah. table, yep. people are going to pull back in their yep. I've never had yeah, a left, right? True. So I, yeah. I don't really know how it tastes. I, I still say never enter 34A, period. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Gordon Strong, been. feel free to revoke my whatever. Don't enter 34A <laughs> for just that reason, because unless you've got 
that beer right there side by side to judge against. Like you're you're judging against memory. Right. You're judging against a beer you might have had that was in a in a cooler for two years and that personal, doesn't taste like it's personal, personal preference, preference right. or fresh yeah. on your trip to Belgium. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, a clone has to be something that's so universal. Like I'm cloning Bud Light. I'm cloning Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. That but everyone has, and even then, I haven't had a Bud Light in 20 years. I drink a ton of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I couldn't tell you if if three beers uh, out of three clone beers, which was closer. I couldn't do it. Right. Maybe and I could, I, but I, I, I agree. And you're just, you're better off getting judged against a concrete set of standards and the guidelines yeah. like Belgian Blonde than judging against somebody's memory and multiple judges' memories of a beer they may never have had. True. All right, Jason, is that it? Or uh, we'll uh, let you go if it is. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, just uh, being a new home brewer, I'm just trying to brew clone beers so I can see how close I can get from my process, you know. So, hey, that's yeah. that's a great way to learn, cool. man. Yeah, that's a great yes. way to learn not only yeah. recipe formulation, but your process. So yeah. keep, yeah. keep doing it, man. Maybe yeah, you'll be the first sharing. clone beer that wins the best of show. That we'll see your name in the paper someday. Like, he did it, man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen one. but In the, in the Jackson Weekly or whatever. Jason, yeah. are you going to HomebrewCon <laughs> in Rhode Island? Unfortunately, not. <laughs> That's a long ways away. Yeah. Fair enough. Thought we'd ask. There's too many homebrewers there anyway. Mm. <clears throat> All right, man. We'll Cheers, let you go. Man. Thanks a lot, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Thanks, man. Hey, love the show, guys. Love, love listening to you guys while cool. traveling down the road. Oh, Keep, awesome. Thanks, man. Our yeah. pleasure. All right. Thank you. Later. Thanks. Cool. Nice, nice guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. We're out of here. I think. That's it. There's no more breaks? There's no more breaks. We took two breaks. Okay, I was thinking we need a sign-off thing. Like, we need to have a contest for somebody to come up with the best way that we can sign off the show. I think the best way we can sign off the show is just ending the show. That's well, my favorite way. It's just going home. It's actually not even coming in to do the show. That's my, my favorite. My wife is a fan of podcasts, and she listens to one uh, about murders or something. So yeah, like, uh, watch uh, out, Brian. You know, is that that Norwegian guy? Stay sexy and don't get murdered is like their, their sign-off or something like that. Okay. Is all that right. that Norwegian guy that who's all like, now. oh, my good dear friends, and he's the Norwegian accent guy? Huh. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Keep brewing and uh, send your beer to the doctor. Yeah. We'll keep trying stuff. If you want to be on the show, email brian at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's, That's right. Brian with an I. And when Brian Shar gets his own email address, we'll have to figure out something else. Well, Brian that. with That's an right. I is the only way to spell it. All, all good Brians are with an I. Of course. Well, yeah. and Brian Adams. He gets a pass. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for Cheers. listening to Dr. Homebrew, and we'll see you later. <laughs> Cuts like a knife. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.